You're listening to a message from Stonegate Church in Midlothian, Texas. For more information about Stonegate and additional audio resources, visit Stonegate-Church.com. All right, welcome again, Stonegate. I am happy to be up again this year. And my prayer is that God would just have his way. It is indeed a pleasure to be before you. And before I start, I'm going to ask that you would uh, be mindful to give me a lot of grace and a lot of mercy. I'm going to need it during this message. And so uh, I really solicit your prayers and ask that you would just uh, be patient and also gracious with me. If you uh, have your Bibles, I'll turn them again to John chapter 13. That's where we'll be at uh, for the majority of our time. And we would and we were transverse to, to uh, John 15. And then uh, the rest should be on the screen for you. Before I start, I'd like to pray. And that's first of all, just, just thank God for this opportunity. Again, it is uh, uh, indeed by his grace that I stand here. I thank you all. I thank uh, you all for your love and, your, and for your acceptance of, of my family and, and myself. Uh, I thank uh Rodney and the staff uh, just for for believing in me and uh, just giving me the opportunity to allow God just to use me. I am ever so thankful and grateful for that. So let's pray and then we'll get into today's message. Father, we thank you, God, just for uh, this time, uh, this setting, this gathering. And God, we, and we do ask that you would just uh, 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 God have your way. That you will be found very gracious, God, to us. That you will soften our hearts, open our minds to hear and to receive. But God, the ultimate goal in this is for us to be challenged to conform more to Christ. That's why you called and predestined us to be more like Jesus. And so we thank you. That even now in the time of sharing your word, that this, we pray, will be the result. We love you. We ask it in Christ's name now. Amen. I guess it was around uh, last year, around April, March, April, when a time where uh, I found myself at an Acts 29 boot camp. Uh, at that time, it was Rodney giving the lesson for this group of of pastors. And so when Rodney sat down, I happened to have been sitting next to him. And so, you know, I'm there trying to get some cash to, to, to help me plant a church in, in Grand Prairie. And so after uh, I give Rodney my card and he says, hey man, let's hook up and let's see how this thing can work out. So we, so we end up meeting at uh, Starbucks in Midlothian around Mayish. And so uh, it was from that, it was from the first conversation that he said, man, you know what, man, I, I really think that it would do you well if you would just not plant, uh, uh, get access to us and see if, uh, if it would work out for you being a church plant resident. I said, all right, I'll try to see. Let's, let's pray about it and, we, and we'll see. And so it was that following Sunday that I, I, that I that I began to come to that I began to come to Stonegate, 
And man, so, so I was, so I drive from South Arlington to Stonegate because man, I, I love what I, I love what I was hearing at Stonegate, but I was stuck in tradition in Arlington. So I'm driving from Arlington, uh, I go there at 8.30, leave, drive, hit 287, cheated, I slide in here, and, man, and I was just, man, this, there was something, something unique about Stonegate. And so, man, so, man, I did that for about two months. I, and I, I go and I tell my wife, there's something different, there's something new, there's something fresh happening at Stonegate. Well, the whole time what was happening it was that Jesus was being preached. So I was leaving away more impacted by and not impressed by Rodney, but impacted by Jesus. Over here, it was just the same old, same old. So in July, it was the first of July. I said, baby, that's it. No, no more cheating. We are going to Stonegate and that's it. Whatever happens, Happens. Why? There's something fresh. There's something different. There's something new happening. And it's called gospel centered preaching. And it blew my cock out mind. <laughs> we're here. This is it. We're here. And so, and so, man, and so, man, so then when I got to hear and to understand the philosophy of Stonegate, how, man, there was no more Sunday schools, no more midweek programs, no me going to church Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I skipped Friday, come Saturday, and then go Sunday, man. When, when, y'all, when, when the belief was that we won't pull from the family, but that we'll bring the family together, I was digging this philosophy. It was something new, something fresh, something that I loved. It's new. It's fresh. And I loved it. I said, God, this is where I want to be. If they accept me on the assessment or not, I'm here. Because it's something fresh. No more tradition. I mean, when my first Sunday, when I came, I saw a lady baptizing somebody. I said, wow, it's not the pastor or the, or the deacon? No, but it was the person he used most to influence and to bring this person to Christ, getting away from traditions and focusing more so on Jesus Christ. And I loved it. Something fresh. And that's the idea of today's message. Let me just catch it up briefly to, uh, from John 12 to John, I mean, from John 1 to John 12, in short, in real short. It's been there almost three years. Well, it's been three years, and now Christ, they would say that, that some say that John 13, and, uh, from John 13 to John 21, he's now focusing on his last, on the last week of his ministry. So when you look at John 1 to 12, it's, it's been like uh, three years, and he's been proving and showing that he is, he is God. He's, he's God in the flesh. He is, and, he's, and he was shortest by doing all of these signs and wonders. And so then you find him in John chapter 13, where this Messiah, this Christ, this God on earth, 
earth, but human and flesh, he was now washing the disciples' feet. And y'all, like, like I said, after research and research, I found out that he also was serving and washing the feet of the one who would betray him, and that was Judas Iscariot. That, that despite the fact that Judas would betray him, Christ is still on his knees washing his feet. A good sign and a good message to all of us that no matter what a person does or no matter what a person is, because we are, uh, we are disciples of Christ, we are called to serve. We don't pick who to serve. We pick, we serve who Christ puts in front of us. No matter what. Then you read in John chapter 13, now you're down to John chapter 31, and then he's going to give them this, this short discourse about his departure. So when you look at John chapter 31, in John chapter 13, verse 31, it says this. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. In short, disciples, I'm about to leave you, but, but as I leave, I'm going to leave you with this command. Now, I have to go. So, 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 I, I'm going to leave you with a command, and just as you enjoyed me, I'm going to leave you with the charge and calling now to enjoy and to serve e each other. Look at what it says here in, in, in uh, verse 34. He says, a new commandment. Now, if you highlight, underline, Look at cross side, the word new. Please do something with the letter or with the word new. This word new, it is important because this word new, it actually means something fresh, something different. That, that, that Christ is now calling them to do something that is new. Now, the old commandment that, that pertained to this was found in Leviticus 19, 18, where it says that you are to love your neighbor as you love yourself. But Christ, he's coming back now with something new and with something different, something fresh. And it says this, a new commandment, I give to you that you love one another. Cool with that, okay? Have that. Here's, here's a twist. Just as I have loved you. So no longer can you choose how to love. Now you have to love others just as I have loved you. How we love is not up for grabs any longer. The same way that Christ has, the same way that Christ is, and the same way that Christ will love, we are called to love with that same kind of love. Why? Why? Verse 
35. By this, by this, by you fulfilling this new commandment, by you loving others as I have loved you, here's what. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. And if, if you have love, one for another. So, he, so he's saying this. That, that people would not know that you are my disciple by how much Bible you read, how much Bible you quote, how long you pray, how short you pray, how often you come to church, how much you give, how much you do. People would know that you follow me solely because how much by the fact that you love others just as I have loved you. That's, that's, that's it. If you want people to know that you are a disciple of Christ, stop sounding loud and start loving. Just as Christ continues to love you. And y'all, so what I did, well, no, since we are all biblical scholars here, I, I, I was, and, and as I was reading uh, uh, Paul Tripp's book, What Did You Expect?, I said, God, I need a good working definition of love. Just a good, nice working definition of love that I can communicate to Stonegate, hopefully, and challenge all of us to do this thing in a way, God, that would bring you glory. So, Paul Tripp, in his book, What Did You Expect? He defines love as this. A willing self-sacrifice for the good of another that does not require reciprocation or that the person being loved is deserving. I said, it's a good one, but do I live by it? It's a willing self-sacrifice, it says, for the good of another and does not require reciprocation or that the person being loved is deserving. Let's break this down real, real brief like. First of all, love is a willing and not a feeling. You choose to love. And of ourselves and outside of the work of the Spirit, there is no way that we are willing to love like this. But when it comes to the idea of love, it's a choice to trust God with my heart despite the pain that may come from me loving you. I'm, 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 I'm willing to be open and vulnerable. I'm willing also to self-sacrifice myself for your good. Now, in his book, he breaks down what it means to be, uh, 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 to live or, 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 or to be one uh, that is self-sacrificing. And so he says, uh, he says this in his book. In Tripp's book, he presents a context for sacrifice that is sobering. He says, there is no such thing as love without sacrifice. Love calls us beyond the borders of our own wants, needs, and feelings. Love calls us to be willing to invest time, energy, money, and resources, and personal ability and gifts for the good of the other person. 
Love calls us to lay down our life in ways that are concrete and direct. Love calls us to serve, to wait, to give, to suffer, to forgive, and to do all these things again and again. Love calls us to be silent when we want to speak and to speak when we would like to be silent. Love calls us to act when we would love to wait and to wait when we would when we really like to act. Love calls us to stop when we really want to continue and it calls us to continue when we really want to stop. Love requires us to lead when we really would like to follow and to follow when we really would like to lead. Love again and again comes away from, from our instincts and comfort. Love always requires personal sacrifice. Love calls us to give up our life. Wow. All of those things that we listed here, Christ does for us over and over and over again. There is no love without any sacrifice. But does a willing self-sacrifice for the good of another. This is simply saying this. That when it comes to me desiring the good of the other, I'm willing to want and desire the best for an individual, and I'm the one that's going to make it happen. That when I see that a person needs to be loved, here I am, God has placed me in his or her life, that I would desire the best for them, and also with that, be the one to make it happen. So God's going to place you around people who need things. And when that happens, God says, I need you to be willing to self-sacrifice for their good and expect nothing in return. Now, on this one, I failed. Because isn't it true that, y'all, we, that when we do stuff for others, we want stuff done back in, in Return? If I give five, I want five back. If I give ten, me, I want twelve back. I, I need to accrue some interest. <laughs> I just self-sacrifice. I say, hey, man, I, hey, hey, I, I went out my way for you. I, at least say thank you. And when they don't, how do we respond? Do we only do things to get things back in return? That's, if that's the case, I can't give a name for that, but here's what I know it's not. It's not love. It's, it's willing. It's a willing self-sacrifice for the good of another that does not require reciprocation. Here it is. Or that the person being loved is deserving. How many times have we withheld our love because a person did not deserve it for whatever reason? I'm not going to do it. She don't deserve it. She, don't, she, she, don't, she doesn't even appreciate me. Why do that? Man, man, they never say thank you. Why, why do it? So I'm going to stop. So we stop loving when, in fact, if Christ did that to us, where would we be? We're going to be called multiple times to love people who don't deserve to be loved. (sighs) 
Here's the fact. When Christ decided, when God decided to send his son, were you worthy of it? Did you deserve it? Are you willing to love people who does not deserve it? So love, love, let's say it, let's, let's read it again. Love, it is a willing self-sacrifice for the good of another and does not require reciprocation and that the person being loved even is deserving. So that is our definition of love. Now, now, now let's move forward to, to the description of love. Now, for all of you who, who, uh, who are uh, ESV giants, this is not an ESV Bible. This is the message, some would say, commentary. Uh, some would say the, it's a paraphrase. It's Eugene Peterson's version of the Bible. It's, how dare you call that a Bible? And so because it conveys over the idea I want to really get out, I'm going to use this paraphrase, this commentary, whatever you call it, I'm going to use it. Amen? There we go. So here it is. And, and, and we're going to read this slowly. Because I, I think in this, the, 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 there's, something, the, there's something to be said about the idea of love. He says this, number one, love, it never gives up. That is, love is patient. Question. Who have you given up on? Love cares more for others than for, than for self. Wow. I felt that one. That's, that's, that's hard to do. It's hard to consistently put others, to, to put other people's interests before mine. But if you want something fresh, something new, we have to start loving the way Christ loved us. Hey, here it is. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. That is, love is an envious. And, and I'm going to get to a segment of this sermon where it will get tough because the truth is based on a certain de- deterrent that does not allow us to love the way we should. Envy is the cause of it. But love Love does not strut, does not have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first. Well, that's me again. I felt that one too. Love doesn't fly off the handle. Love is not easily provoked. Doesn't keep score of sins of others. Now, I know this last one I just read isn't a problem of anybody at Stonegate. We all walk around with pencils and it, with big erasers. With people outside, Christians who are outside of Stonegate walking around with permanent markers. Keeping a score of things people do wrong to us. We, we have this scorecard that what you do to me, I got it down. I, I got it down. And at the fine moment, I'm going to recall to you how you hurt me. If that's the case, can I inform you something? That's not love. Again, I can't work that, but that is not love. Love does not keep a rest of wrongdoing. Love walks around with an eraser. 
It says, what you've done, I erase it. Why? Because that's the way Christ forgives me. How are you on this? How are you? On the fact that when, that, that, that when people hurt home, when people criticize lying, when people insult, when people do you wrong, are you keeping score? Do you swipe out your, your spiritual unforgiving card and write it down and put it in your pocket? If so, that's, that's not love. Then it says here that uh, love doesn't revel when others grovel. Let me say, simply saying that love isn't, love isn't not rude. It, it doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing. It doesn't get, get excited when, 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 when people are, are, are caught suffering. Then it says that love, uh, it says love uh, takes no pleasure in following, love takes pleasure in following in truth and puts up with anything and trust God always, always looks for the best, never looks back. Love keeps going to the end. In short, when it comes to love, love never fails. It never stops. And, and love never says, oh, well, if you do this one more time, I'm done loving you. Love doesn't stop. It keeps going. Just as Christ, just as God in Christ keeps on loving us no matter what. And if the truth be told, y'all, there there are some people, there are some things that man that folks have done to us, and we've drew a line and says, you know what? That's it. I'm done. And the Bible says, love doesn't stop. It keeps on going. Why? Because that's the way Christ loves you. Now we've seen that we've had we we've seen how 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 we can how we have defined love. We've seen how love is described. Now let's get into some determinants of love. Things that cause us not to love the way that the Bible calls us to love. And the first thing I'ma call just for my preference is cash flow. Slash Socioeconomic status, which, which is de- derived from one's education, one's income, and one's employment. And let's, let's be real that people are not loving people because of, sometimes, be, because of the car they drive, the house they live in, the suit they wear, the clothes they wear, that because you and I are different based on our income, education, and employment, that I'm not going to love you. And yet, even, even at our jobs, some of y'all, you are CEOs, CFOs. COOs, and then you got guys who are pushing and they're, and they're janitors, and, and you treat them differently because they're, because you're here and they're the one at the cross, both of y'all are right there. But, but, but because you make more, because you wear a suit, because you drive a nice car, you look down on this person, and that's not love. Listen, listen. Socioeconomic status has, has hindered and help some. For instance, me. I was born and raised in Oak Cliff, Texas. Now I know that ain't a city, but hey, that's my hood. 
sir. I'm giving shots out to my hood. That's my hood. And, and y'all, I was, so I was raised up there in school. And, and I say that because of the, because of the social economic status that you, that, that, that our public schools were, were not finding the best teachers. They were all going up to Highland Park, to Plano, to Carrollton. So we got folks who taught us just to receive a check. So from first grade to twelfth grade, I'm I'm in school making it because of my abilities to play sports. And they're not caring anything about my ability to speak or to learn English. So I at 31, I go to UTA, I write me a paper, I think it's the bomb. I'm like, man, this paper here is the bomb. I mean, man, I, I mean, boy, come on, man, come on. And I get a grade of an F minus. Homeboy, what happened? This here is my best work. <laughs> and you gave me an F minus? Seriously? Well, not in time, there's a problem. What? Your English. Your grammar. Like, and then you start mentioning something about a participle. I said, is that in vanilla? Chocolate? <laughs> what about it? What is that? But what, what, what flavor is that? I'm trying to figure out. Man, Help me out. He says, no. I said, well, I don't know what it is. Because I, that wasn't taught us. The income that my mom made and the education that she had and her, and her occupation leaned us to live in a rough side where education wasn't critical. And so on the flip side of that, you got people who are privileged to a good education, homeschooled. I mean, you, you, you had it going on. I mean, God really blessed you. And it's not that I'm, like, I'm, I'm envious of you. It's that, man, will you have some grace f- for me? See, 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 I don't need you to judge me because of my inability or, or ability, what I need you to do is to love me. To love me through this transition. And I'm speaking for any minority or majority that was stuck in a system that really was not concerned about their development. Can we have a little grace for them? Can we be just a little bit more nicer to them? Can we love them? Despite the culture, the, the upbringing, that's, can you love them? Can you love me? Don't judge me. Pray for me. So here's what I've done. I'm, I'm, I'm taking a speech coach now. I'm trying, to, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to catch up. And so she said this. And the people in your immediate circle, give them the right to correct you when you're speaking too fast or you use a word wrong. I said, are you serious? I mean, that'd, be, that'd be all day in day. I mean, I, I mean we'll, we'll be here all day long. I mean, I, mean, I ain't got that kind of time. Can, can we find something else to do? I mean, something else. She said, no. She said, no. And she said, I remember, and she said, you know what? I don't feel sorry for you. I'm glad that you're here because the help that you're seeking and that you need, you're getting it. 
And I applaud you, Valentine, for that. A grown man, 39 years old, learning what fifth and sixth graders tend to take for granted. I'm not envious. I love you. But be gracious to me. My God moved me along. Amen? That's character. No, that's, 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 that's cash flow. That's, that's social economic status. Another word for that. Thank you. Hey. hey. <laughs> the next one is character. Character. Because sometimes how we view a person as good or bad or evil, however it is, that that, 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 that determines if I love them. So based on their character and their conduct, based on how also also how they dress. If they're walking around here with, 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 with their boxer shorts, I'm done with them. If they're walking around with their pants flooding, I'm done with them. If they're walking around and a grown man wearing tight jeans, I'm done with them. That's an issue right there, right? That's an issue. That's an issue. I got, I got a problem with that. But I'm still called to love that person despite how they dress, despite how they talk. I mean, I, I, character does not want me loving them. Christ does. Because even in our words, the Bible says this, that while we were sinners, God sent his son to die for us. When our character was jacked up, God showed his love towards us by sending his son. And all God is saying is if, if you want something fresh, something new in your family, at your church, at your house, start loving just as I have loved you. It brings something fresh, something new, something different when we decide to start loving as Christ loved us. There's cash flow. There's character. And then there's choices. How many of us have said that because this dude or this lady keeps making bad choices, I'm cutting them off. When before Christ, we chose to trust in a car that broke down, a house that caught on fire, a body that went bad, cash that was here today and gone today. And, yet, and so Jeremiah would call us stupid. Because we trusted in idols. And even while we're saved, as sometimes we still trust in idols. But Christ still loves us. When we choose to choose to, 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 to trust in idols, things that's not God. Y'all listen to me. Christ, he still loves us. So why can't we do the same thing to those people in our lives, in our neighborhood, and our families that make bad choices? Why can't we decide no matter what to still love them? Love is not based on your ability to or not to make good choices. People are going to continue to make bad choices. Hint, hint. So are you. <laughs> That's not a reason for me, for Arthur, for whoever, not to love you. not. Now, I need grace here. I, I need some grace. This next one is real, but it goes both ways. 
is color. It's color. Some people, not inside Stonegate, somewhere else, <laughs> have decided not to love me based on the pigmentation of my skin. As if I had a choice. I dipped myself in bleach. Here I am. <laughs> Paint myself with white. Here I am. I mean, this here is not going nowhere. You're the color that you are. I'm the color that I am. And God chose that. It's not for us to choose not to love God's creation based solely off color. Because at the end of the day, the cross of Christ is not about skin. It's about sin. And we all are sinners. As a matter of fact, let me give you just a little, a little help for you. If you are not a Jew, you're a Gentile. Physically. That means you're a heathen. Physically. Who by God's choosing drafted you in to the spiritual as a spiritual Jew. But what you find in church is you find Gentiles trying to separate among Gentiles. You're a Gentile too. Gentile, Gentile. We all can we all just get along? <laughs> I, mean, like, I'm, I know you are the majority, but in God's eyes, physically, you're still a Gentile. So can we all? Not based on skin pigmentation, but based on the fact that we all call on a Savior who loves us despite our cash, our character, our, our, our choices, and our color. Can we love people just the same? Stonegate. I love you. And there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> Can't that be the decision you make towards me? Valentine, there's not a cash issue, a character issue, a choice issue and a color issue that will prevent me, Valentine, from loving you. And I promise you, there's no cash issue, no character issue, no choice issue, no color issue that will prevent me from having a willing spirit to, to self-sacrifice for your good, not wanting any reciprocation, even if you don't deserve it. I'm going to love you. Christ prayed for the same thing. So we've seen that how love was defined. We've, 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 we have seen how, how love is described and we see the, the deterrence of love. Now let's land and let's look at the destination of love. Why? Oh, let, let me say this. I'm sorry. I, I got to see it because I, I just I, I got to see it. On the issue with color, I want us to, I want us to read something uh, together. It's on the screen for you. It, it'll be found in your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 4. 
I mean, uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, and we'll start reading at verse, at, verse, at, at verse 11. It says, Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called, that, that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hand. I mean, by, yeah, by hands. Remember that you were at the time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in, uh, in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Verse 15, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. Verse 16, and might, re- and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby, here it is, Killing hostility. At the cross, he killed it. But when I went on Facebook and saw the verdict of Trayvon and Zimmerman, it was still there. Christians. Christians. Based on an earthly verdict, acting a fool. Not saying that our father has the final say, so in any case, one guy asked me, man, what's, what's your thoughts? We need Jesus. <laughs> I said, no, we all need Jesus. Gentlemen, I, I pray that Trayvon had but we all need Jesus is the only end to all this mess. It's not social, it's sin. It's not hood, it's sin. Sin is our issue. And the only one that can solve that is Jesus. If you got a problem with me and I got a problem with you based on color, we're racist. You might as well get used to it now. Hey, I'll be there, I promise you. I'll, I'll be there. And if you are, we got to get along. I'm glad I'm at a church that has come together and that is coming together for racial reconciliation. That, that God is going to use Stonegate in such a way when we're, we're going to be pioneers in this thing. But it's, not, but, but it's not accomplished solely by me. It's accomplished by all of us. Let's end it. Let's destroy this hostility. In the name of Jesus. I would not be angry. I would not hate you. Nor would I be uncomfortable around you or in front of you based on your cash flow, your character, your choices, and or your color. I have decided to love you. And there's nothing you can do about it. But why do that? Yes. What, what, what's the what's the point? 
I'm so glad you asked. What is the destination of love? You find twice in John where Christ, he's, 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 he's getting ready, he's actually preparing to leave. One, he gives them instruction to love. And then in John 17, which some call the high priestly prayer, you find Christ, he's, he's praying. He's, he's praying to God, his father, and he's praying about some things. And in, in verses 20 through 23, it, it, it marvels me what he prayed for in these four scriptures. Look what, look, look, look what he prayed for in John 20. I mean, John 20, verse 20, it says this. No, John, John 17, verse 20. It says this. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they might be one even as we are one. God, make them one as we are one. That's incredible. Make them one as we are one. This is verse 23. I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one. So that the world, here it is, may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Why love? To become one. To become unified. To, to have unity. To, to be on one accord, either at home, at church, wherever it is, that, 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 that disciples are called to be one so there is unity. And when we decide to unify, when we decide to get on one accord, when we decide to become one, Jesus says two things will happen. The world will know that Jesus sent a son. And the world would know that God the Father loves God his children just as he loved God the Son. <laughs> we say if 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 the world comes to Melothian Conference Center and they see whites and blacks and Hispanics and Asians worshiping one God on one accord, serving and really advancing the gospel through gospel, community, and mission, the world will know truly God has sent his son because the only reason why Jews and, Jews and whites and blacks and Hispanics and Asians can join together and not fight is because of Jesus. That they are exalting this, this, this man God, this God man Jesus. And, and, that, and so, so when the world comes in, they see that. But also they see that man truly God loves our people. And folk came at the stone gate right now. They would say, man, God loves Caucasians. Oh, man, he loves them. Look at that. that oh, man. That. So I'm, I'm trying to convince a friend last night. Man, some days about 95%. You know, he said, Reverend, 
stop that. I said, no, man, no, man. We're, we're, we're about, said, man I've been there. Stonegate is about 99.5. <laughs> I said, oh, okay, I tried it. I, you might be right, sir. You might be right. You might be right. I said, but why don't you come help? Why don't you set aside your preference and your feet and come help? Can I tell you? He's here. God is about to do a work that is about to blow our mind. I want folk to come to Stonegate and the first thing they see when they open them doors, God sent Jesus. Look at the diversity in this place. And they love me. They speak to me. They hug me. They want to kiss me sometimes. My mama would. But yeah, but, but I'm saying that, 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 that these folks, they are different. God sent his son. And God must love all people. Because look around. All races, all nationalities, all ethnicities are present because we love us some Jesus. And we do that. And we set aside our preferences. We set aside, for the most part, our backgrounds, what we will love, and focus on God, what do you want? Watch and see what God does. So lastly, in reading this book, I found this quote, and what did you expect by Paul Tripp, and it says this, Unity happens when love intersects, intersects with differences or with, or with difference. So here's when unity, this, 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 this one thing happens. It's when love and difference meet and they're one. What's happening for the most part is that love and difference meet and they go away. But when I choose to love like the Bible has called us to love, when it meet, there's unity. You want to know why the church lacks unity? Because the church, in some sense, lacks love. I'm done. Can I ask a question? Do you love me? Are you willing to self-sacrifice yourself for my good? Not wanting anything in return, even if I don't deserve it. Will you love me? I promise I'm going to love you. I promise I as long as God give me his spirit and he continues to control me, I'm going to love you earnestly and with favor. I, I promise you, there's nothing you can do. Don't change skin color. Don't change the rap music. Don't change country music. Keep it on. I'm going to love you anyway. Stonegate. Let's do this.
let's show the world how church is supposed to look. Amen. Father, we thank, thank you for listening to this message from Stonegate Church, located in Midlothian, Texas. For service times, additional audio and study resources, as well as information about our church, please visit us at stonegate-church.com.